Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and encouragement to your life. For a list of messages, to stream live services, and for updates about events and more info, visit lifechurchroa.org. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. I need somebody to say, I'm a gate smasher. Come on, do it one more time with some authority. I'm a gate smasher. I'm not telling you you're a gate smasher. Jesus told you you're a gate smasher, right? He asked the disciples, who do people say I am? And they, they said a couple of different things. Then he said, who do you say I am? And they said, you're the Messiah. And Jesus said, man, I don't know what's going on, but you got it under control. Let me tell you what's going to happen. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That ought to get somebody excited this morning because some of y'all are standing at some gates of hell looking, how's this thing going to fall? And Jesus says, just watch, just watch because you're the church. He's going to build you. Can we pull the lights up? Because I, I, I can't see everybody and I want to make sure everybody's awake this morning. Jesus builds us. He's building me. He's building you. That's what he said when he said the gates of hell will not prevail. I will build my church. Not the building. The building. It's a beautiful building, right? Aren't you thankful for what we have? Come on. I'm thankful for what God has given us. But you know what's, what's way more important? What he meant when he said the church wasn't the bricks and the mortar and the, 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 the place. It was the people. And he said, you're going to be on the offensive because of my victory. You're going to get to fight from victory instead of fighting for victory. You're going to get the opportunity to pour into this world, smash the gates of hell and free my people. Come on. That's what he said. This is how we began the series. We talked about this. Jesus said, who do you say I am? Come find me. Tell me who you say I am. Find me. Then he follows that up with telling the disciples, don't just find me. I want you to follow me. Take up your cross Step up and follow me. Now, if you haven't been here for this series, you're, you're getting a, a, a synopsis of the series, okay? If you've been here, you already know this. But he says, find me. Then he says, follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. And it's not going to be easy. If anybody tells you this walk is easy, they're lying. It's worth it. But it ain't easy. Okay? Then... He takes three of the disciples up on top of a mountain and he shows them his true nature. He shows them what he looks like, what he really looks like. Can I tell you, you can't contain Jesus. Only Jesus can hold himself back. We don't get to do that. And so he shows them and he's on the mountain and transfigured and he meets Moses and he meets Elijah and they see them and, and they're talking to Jesus about what's going to happen on the cross. These are powerful people in the, in the world and, and powerful people in the kingdom of God. And they're there to worship and love on Jesus in that moment. Representative of the law, Moses. Representative of the prophets, Elijah. And Jesus, the Messiah, who's greater than the law. Greater than the prophets. And Moses and Elijah know it. And now he's showing his disciples not just that, it, that you have to find me. Not just that you have to follow me. But I need you in your life to fathom me. I need you to understand that whatever mountain you're facing, I can crumble as if it's nothing. Whatever gate you're standing at can be smashed as if it's nothing. Whatever you think has you bound and chains have you wrapped up like this, trying to walk up out of the grave, right? Lazarus bound up in the grave clothes. Whatever grave clothes have you bound up, Jesus says, they are nothing. Fathom, just fathom what he could do if your hands were free, if you let him set you free today. You think Lazarus, I'm going to tell you what, Lazarus, Lazarus did more in the years after he was raised from the dead than he did in the years before. <laughs> because when you come back from the dead, you got something to tell somebody. Anybody been back from the dead? You accepted Jesus as your savior. You've come back from the dead. You've come out of the grave. You got something to tell somebody. You got to, listen, grave clothes got to come off and we got to start talking because my Jesus, it, I, when I can fathom, when I can get a grasp and an understanding of what my Jesus can do and what he wants to do and what he will do, it changes how I approach life. 
It changes how I fight my battles. We're talking about spiritual warfare in this series. And I'm telling you, we started off telling you, you are a gate smasher. You are a freedom fighter. I don't care what the world says about you. I don't care what the enemy has to tell you. I don't even care what you think about yourself. Jesus, his words circumvent all of those things and stand above everything. And he says, you're a gate smasher and a freedom fighter. Find me, follow me, fathom me. Then last week we said this, if we're going to do those three things, if we're going to be a gate smasher, if we're going to be a freedom fighter, we have to give ourselves in sacrifice to Jesus, in service to others, in sincerity to our calling. What have we been called to do? You might say, well, pastor, I'm not called like you are. I don't have a ministry job. I don't have a ministry position. We're all called to the mission of Jesus Christ to go to make disciples, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere we go, to love in ways that cannot be fathomed, in ways that the world will never understand. You're called. You're called to be a good husband. You're called to be a good wife. You're called to be a good parent. You're called to be a good grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a church member. You're called to be a good friend. All of these things you're called to, and we need to live in sincerity to that calling. And finally, that we would live with shalom, with peace, with everyone. Give yourself to those things. Last week we said, if we're going to find Jesus, follow Jesus, fathom Jesus, we've got to give ourselves. Got one other practical thing today, and one more practical next week, and then we're going to move out of this series. Here's what we're going to say today. If you're taking notes, this is good stuff. You better write it down. This is going to be really simple. Last week, we, we, we said we got to give ourselves if we're going to be freedom fighters and gate smashers. This week, we got to grow ourselves. We got to grow. We have to grow. We cannot continue to be what we are. If we're going to find Jesus, follow Jesus, fathom the immenseness of this Savior that we have. We've got to give ourselves and grow ourselves. When I was little, before I do that, my mom's here today. And she never knows what I'm going to talk about. And so sometimes I say things that shock her. <laughs> so y'all pray for my mom this morning. <laughs> I'm not planning on saying anything that will shock her. But I never know what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit kind of just takes over and says a couple of things. And a couple of you have prayed that over me today that the Holy Spirit would speak. And that scares me a little bit. Because I don't know what I'm going to say. My mom's here. Okay, and I really take I take the, what the word of God says to honor your father and mother very seriously because I want to live long days. Okay, I want to see Jesus, but I want to live long days. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, and so I, I'm I'm telling you, pray because who knows what's going to happen next? Okay, when I was little, <laughs> I feared things that I had no reason to fear. Anybody else there? Right. We lived in a trailer. OK. And my mom and dad's room was at the front of the trailer. Then you had the living room and the kitchen. And there was this really long hallway with what we called the middle bedroom. And that was the guest room. Okay, highfalutin. Right. We had a guest room. And then I was at the very end of the trailer. So there's a bathroom and then my room. So mom and dad are way up here and I'm way back here. And if you've ever been in a trailer, you know, there's a door in the front and there's a door in the back. I don't like sleeping next to doors, especially as a kid, okay? And mom and dad are way, 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 way up there. And so every sound scared me. Every, even the shapes of things that I knew what they were. You remember last week I showed you the, mon the monster basketball? That thing had to be put in a toy box because I didn't want to see it while I was trying to sleep. Anybody remember the My Buddy dolls? Anybody remember what I'm talking about? There was a movie, a horror movie made about these ridiculous things. Okay, and I'm going to just leave it at that. You can look it up yourself. I had a My Buddy doll. Stood about this tall, blonde hair. Wore the same clothes as the thing in the movie wears. Okay. I, th 
think they just made the doll in the movie to torture little kids. That's what I think. Okay. When I got rid of that thing, there was a freedom. Y'all, we just sang a song about calling things from the grave. I'm convinced Jesus called me from the grave when that thing hit the dumpster. Okay. Because it scared me. Even as a teenager, I kept that thing in a closet, turned away from me, locked. Because if that thing ever did come to life... I want time to ask Jesus to save me, okay? I feared some things that didn't necessarily need to be feared is my point. It was just a doll, okay? I remember one time, it wasn't the doll that scared me, it was a toaster. I was staying over at somebody else's house, and staying at somebody's house was always scary for me. I don't know why, but it just was. And I was looking out of the bedroom into the kitchen, and it was dark, and there were shadows, and I was like, that thing's about to eat me. I've always been a little bit on the heavy side. And if something's going to get eaten, I'm going to look like the steak. Okay? It's going to be me. All right? I'm going to feed two monsters while you might feed one. Now, I, this is how I think as a child. And I see this toaster and the shadows and the lights and the way things are hitting it. And I'm freaking out. And I'm like, I want to go home. I just need to be home because they've got monsters in this house and I want nothing to do with them. Some of you are like, man, no wonder you're weird. You were a tortured child. <laughs> uh, but I got up, I walked into the kitchen and realized it was the toaster. Right? I realized I didn't have anything to fear. I didn't have to. I grew out of that over the years. And to, to now, where some, some of y'all can't even do this yet because you tell me you can't. I can come into the church and I actually will walk around with it dark. Some of y'all are like, that's creepy. I'm never going to do that. Some of you turn, when you come into the church, when you're by yourself, you turn on every light switch as you come through. I've seen you do it. I'm not going to call you out. Don't worry. I won't tell everybody who you are, but some of you do, right? And I've gotten to where I'm like, okay, the dark is okay because whatever is in the dark, right? It was there in the light also. So I don't need to freak out. I've matured a little bit over that. Now, listen, I'm not saying you're not mature if you, if you have some fears. That's not, I still have fears, don't get me wrong, right, right? Anybody have a basement that you run out of because the light switch is at the bottom? I don't have that anymore. I moved out of the house that had that. Come on, Jesus, right? No basement in the parsonage, so no, don't have to worry about that. But my old house, there was a basement, and it was a scary basement. And the light switch was at the bottom. I think there was a light switch at the top too, but sometimes I forgot that. So I flipped the light. And I'm trying to be cool and collected because my kids are listening. But instead of thump, 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 walking up the steps, it's thump, 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 thump. Pow! <laughs> Just in case. And in a lot of ways, I've matured out of those things, right? I don't fear a buddy doll anymore, mainly because I don't have one. But also because I understand that it's just a toy. I matured out of that. Here's the thing about our spiritual walk. We've got to mature. We have to grow. We never stop growing. Right? It's, it's, we're growing until we become like Christ. That's the point of what we're doing. And so many of us have spent time not maturing out of things spiritually. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to call anybody out. I'm telling you what the Holy Spirit's laid on my heart, okay? And he's challenged me to grow out of some things spiritually. And I, I've told you, I tell you constantly, I don't preach about things that God's not already dealing with me about. Because if he's dealing with me, he's probably dealing with somebody else about it. There are things spiritually that we do or that we don't do, and we have to grow up. We've got to mature. We can't stay where we are. In this series, this is what the challenge has been. Listen, you don't, you don't immediately get saved and start smashing the gates of hell. you got to learn some stuff. you got to know what Jesus can do. you got to understand you don't do it in your own power. Nothing that I do is done in my own power. So we talk about giving ourselves, but also we have to grow. right? This week we're going to continue with the practical application of what it means when Jesus says, I will build my church in the gates of hell. Hades, the gates of hell, will not prevail. How to be gay smashers and freedom fighters in our world today by building on the key takeaway from last week that we are first to give ourselves and secondly, to grow ourselves.
Today we're going to look at seven questions very quickly. I know you're like, oh my gosh, seven questions. We're going to be here till three o'clock. I hope you packed a lunch. Some of them will go really fast. We're going to look at the who, what, when, where, why, how, and how much of spiritual maturity. Okay? Now, if you're like, wait a minute, I'm pretty, I'm pretty mature spiritually, pastor. I don't need this message. Then you need to really listen. Okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> I told you, sometimes I don't know. And here's why I say that. Because I said, I, rem- I, I, I sat last night and I said, Jesus, this is an elementary message. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit said, yeah, but it's my message. I tell you, your pastor gets corrected by the Holy Spirit more often than you would want to care or care to know. Okay? Because sometimes I try to do things in my power because I'm, I, I, I'm not growing. And I need to grow. Right? So I need you to understand, when the altar call comes today, I'm going to pray for you, but I've been at this altar because of this message. And I'm probably going to be back because we don't stop growing. We don't stop growing spiritually because the spiritual battles get more intense. The more that we grow, the battles get more intense. The enemy does not want you to win. The enemy does not want you to be here next week. He didn't want you to be here this morning. He doesn't want you to listen to this message. And he doesn't want you to talk to each other afterwards. He wants you to walk out of here and act like it didn't matter that you came today. And I'm here to tell you that it matters that you're here. It makes a difference. For you and for the person you're sitting beside and for the person across the room and for the person that you haven't talked to in six years because they looked at you cross-eyed. We got to grow. Okay, I'm going to get out of meddling. I'm going to get back to preaching. Just like we grew out of our fears as children, we have to grow, at, we have to grow in our spiritual maturity if we're going to smash gates and fight for freedom. If we're going to engage the enemy in spiritual warfare, we must mature and keep maturing and keep maturing and keep maturing, becoming more and more like Christ. This is God's plan for us to build his church, to be on the offensive against the enemy. So let's jump into the word. Ephesians chapter 4. We've been there in this series once already. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read uh, a lot of verses today, so hang in there with me, okay? The Bible can say it better than I can, so I'm going to let the Bible say it, and then I'm just going to throw in some stuff the Holy Spirit gave me. Ephesians chapter 4. When you're there, say, I'm there. If you need a minute, say, slow down. I didn't hear any slow down, so everybody's there. Okay, here we go. It's going to be up here. We're reading from the NIV, NLT today, sorry. Uh, All right, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, now this is Paul talking, okay? Paul's writing to the, the church in Ephesus, and he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy, somebody say worthy, of the calling you have received. Just so I'm clear, if you have received a calling from God, I want you to raise your hand. Everybody's hand needs to be up. I'm just, I'm, everybody, come on, come on, raise your hands. Everybody's hands. You've all received a calling. Okay, all of you have. This message, this word, this scripture is for you. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Ouch. Be patient. Nope. That's tough. Bearing with one another in love. The, the, the uh, King James Version, if you have the King James, the word there is long-suffering. Right? Where it says be patient and bear it, the word there is long-suffering. And, it's, and we're going to talk about what that word means here in a few minutes. I actually like that word better than this, than this translation because it speaks something to us that we, that, that we need to get. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This is one body or there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace among Jesus has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. I love that Paul cleared that up for us. You ever read scripture and think, man, I wish I had a side note here. Paul gave us one. 
So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, say it with me, mature. All of us. This is not a me thing or a you thing. This is an us thing. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What is he saying here? He's saying, I want you to be mature like Jesus is mature. That's a pretty big maturity. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every word of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thank you, Jesus. So the seven questions of spiritual maturity, the seven questions of growing yourself. The first one is who? First question we're going to ask today is who? Who who has to grow themselves? We do. Paul includes himself in this. I love this. He says in verse 14, Paul says, then we will no longer be immature. He doesn't just write a letter to people and say that he's above this. He says, no, 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 we have to be mature. This is not about an individual thing. This is about an us thing. We all have to be mature. If any one of us is immature, then it it takes the maturity level down for all of us. It means we have to grow together. When we say grow yourself, what I'm really saying is, is I need you to challenge me to grow and I'm going to challenge you to grow. We have to challenge each other. We have to do this. When we talk about who has to be spiritually mature, all of us do. He includes himself. He says that the church, the gate smashers and freedom fighters are the church, the body of Christ. He says we must grow. None of us are exempt. Not the youngest in the nursery or the oldest sitting in here. Not the pastor on the stage. Not the guy playing piano, not the, not the guy leading worship or playing bass or in the drum cage. Not even the sound guys, and they're pretty mature. I say that because they take all kinds of stuff from people. It was too loud. It wasn't loud enough. And they take it with grace. But even they have to mature. We mature. It's not an age where spiritual maturity starts or ends. We all need to grow. Many times it's easier to give ourselves, in the things that we talked about last week, we said we're going to give ourselves in sacrifice. We're going to give ourselves in service, sincerity, and shalom than it is to grow in maturity. Let me explain it this way. When my kids were little, they would load the dishwasher. Anybody's kids load the dishwasher and you just got to go back and do it again? Because the dishes didn't get clean or you know they're not going to get clean. So my kids would load the dishwasher and they tried their best. They did, they did amazing because it was done, but many times it had to be redone. As they got older, though, they had to grow. We challenged them to change how they throw that bowl in the dishwasher, right? It meant that they had to slow down a little bit and think about how all the dishes were going to fit, especially if they didn't want to have to hand wash anything. Okay, because there was a point at which, yeah, yeah, there's a point at which you got to hand wash if you didn't get all the dishes in the dishwasher, and they didn't want to do that. And so now they're learning, now they're beginning to see there's benefit to learning how to organize something in a dishwasher. They're maturing in how to do the dishes. Come on, Jesus. I had kids for many reasons. Two of those reasons, though, are dishes and the grass. I'll leave, the, leave you with the imagination to figure out all the other reasons, but two of them were that. As they got older, they had to grow. We, we were able to teach them the correct way to load it. It was enough that they tried when they were younger, and now we need them to do it so the dishes actually get clean. They had to mature. They didn't like it, and at times, it was a fight, but they had to grow beyond just throwing the dishes in the dishwasher and saying they were done so they could move on to the next thing. I was thankful for their effort 
that they gave themselves in sacrifice, service, sincerity most of the time. <laughs> and that they did it. They, 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 but sometimes God wants us and needs us to do more. And we've got to mature into that. Maybe you do serve in a way, but God has a plan for you to serve in a different way. You're going to have to grow into that. Maybe you are at peace with most people, but the word everyone throws you off a little bit. And there's some people you need to make peace with. You're going to have to grow into that. Maybe in sincerity you're serving in a piece of your calling, but God is challenging you in a new area, in a new way. And you don't really want to do it, but you're doing it because pastor asked you to. And you're going to have to grow in sincerity. Right? It's harder to grow than it is to just give sometimes. What I'm talking about today is how we're going to win spiritual battles, though. As we grow in spiritual maturity, we should be growing in attention to these things, in attention to sacrifice, service, sincerity, and shalom, and growing in intention. Attention and intention is how we're going to grow in these areas. Sacrificing no matter the cost. Serving no matter the cost. Doing it with sincerity no matter the cost. Shalom, peace with each other no matter the cost. It might mean that you, you're the one that has to swallow your pride and go and apologize. It might mean you're going to have to forgive somebody for something they don't want to be forgiven for. This is how we grow. This is what we're being challenged to today. It's a hard, hard thing. Second question, because fighting against the enemy requires more than just knowing who has to grow. We have to know what, and it's simply this, that we have to mature or grow, very simply, at all costs. Growing or maturing in this sense means to spring up or to develop Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots, he says, will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. This is Paul's prayer for you. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Closes the prayer this way. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. More than we can imagine. More than we can fathom. Paul says, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. It's natural for us to grow. To push our roots deep in the love of Christ and then blossom, bloom, and bear fruit. It's natural for us to do that. This is what he wants us to do. This is the challenge. We have to grow. We grow. What does Paul say is spiritual maturity? Growth. Who does he say has to do it? We. Us. Question number three is when. Very simple answer. Now and now and now and now and now. You get the picture? Constantly, all the time, never stopping, always being challenged to grow. Notice what he says. He says, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul begging anybody for anything? If you know Paul, he's a pretty strong-willed guy. He pretty, he pretty much says what he want, means and, and means what he says. Yet here he says, I'm begging you to never stop. 
There's an urgency in what he's calling us to. There's an urgency in what he's saying to us today. There's an urgency in him telling us we have to grow because the world needs us to grow. The world needs us to plant deep in the love of Christ, to bloom and to blossom and to bear fruit. The world needs us to do this. There are people captive that needs us. You can be a gate smasher, but you also have to be a freedom fighter. Smashing gates is his job and we just get to go along for the ride, but fighting for freedom, that's ours. When? Now. Tomorrow, the next day. He says, make every effort. There's an urgency. There's an urgency in Paul writing that we can't miss. This is meant to start yesterday. Today is too late. Start right now. Start just a few minutes ago. Start when you were singing the songs. I don't care, but start. When does Paul say we are to grow in maturity now? Until the day our maturity is complete. And by the way, I'm pretty sure that's going to be Jesus will tell us when that happens. Pretty sure we're going to be standing before him when that happens. It's going to be a great day. But until then, we got to live like Christ. Question number four, where? Where is there supposed to be spiritual maturity? You say, I say, well, everywhere. But I want to talk about where does spiritual maturity happen? Where, how, do we, how do we grow? And it's in community. Unity must be, or it would be easier if it was just me, right? If I just had to be unified with me, I'm good to go. I like me. I think my ideas are awesome. I think I'm always right. My wife's back there, amen. I think I have the best ideas. I think I have the best everything. And so it'd be really easy if I, if I could just grow and mature myself, but you can't do that. It doesn't work. We grow in community. Discipleship happens in community. Growth, maturity happens in community. If it, listen, Jesus is building a community. It's God's purpose and plan for the church. Spiritual maturity happens in community. We got to be humble and gentle and patient with who? Anybody remember what it said? Who do we have to be humble and patient and gentle with? Did it say ourselves? Each other. Each other. Can I tell you a secret? That's not really a secret. I told you the day that you voted me in as pastor that I would let you down. And I'm going to need grace on that day when I do. And that one day you're going to let me down. And I want to be able to show you grace when that happens. And that you're going to let each other down. (laughs) And we need to show grace. We need to be humble. We need to be gentle with each other. We need to love each other the way Christ does. This is what it means when he says we need to plant our roots deep in his love because the deeper we are in his love, the easier it is for us to show his love. It's in community. It happens because we love God, love people, and live life together. Not just in these walls. Outside of these walls. We share our lives with each other. When you're vulnerable, it's hard. It's difficult because people can hurt you when you're vulnerable. But I'm here to tell you that the enemy is looking to attack you when you're alone. So where do we grow? Where do we spiritually mature in community? According to verses 12 and 13, the result of growing in community is unity. You want to know how we achieve this unity that Paul's talking about here and that, he's, that, that how we become gate smashers together, how we become freedom fighters together, it's unity. From the very first message in this series, we've been talking about unity in the church. Where does Paul say our spiritual maturity happens in community? Question number five, why? Let me give you three reasons. Actually, Scripture is going to give you three reasons. I'm just going to pull them out of Scripture. The first one is this hope. Verse 4 says, We have been called to one hope. And it's for hope that we grow and mature. The hope that Jesus is coming back. The hope that we can free people from the bondage of sin. Free people from the grave. Like we're singing a song about dancing out of the grave. We're singing a song about running out of the grave. And there are people laying in graves right beside us in our, in, in our own homes. 
There's a hope. I have a hope that those people that I encounter are going to come to know Jesus. I have a hope that Jesus is not only coming back for me, but he's coming back for my family. I have a hope that my kids continue to serve him. I have a hope that my family knows him, that my friends know him, that the cashier down the road gets to know him because of me. I have a hope that you bring people into this church every Sunday that doesn't know Jesus and they meet Jesus because you brought them here and because you're showing them who he is. We live with hope. Why do we need to mature spiritually? Because hope comes from that. I can hope for people in ways that I never could before. If I'm mature, if I'm growing, I have hope for those who seem like they're too far gone. I have hope for the drug addict. I have hope for the alcoholic. I have hope for the marriages that are in trouble. I have hope for children who have walked away from Jesus. I have hope. For people in financial trouble, I have hope for people who are sick, people who are on their deathbed. I get to have hope because I continue to grow and I understand. I'm beginning to really get this more now than ever. Why do we need to grow? Hope. That's the first thing. Second thing. We have to grow for unity. Paul repeats the word one So many times it's hard to believe that he's not pushing us to mature so that we'll understand unity. What binds us, church, is greater than what could potentially divide us. Unity. We spiritually mature because it brings us closer. It puts us, listen, it's hard. It's hard to stay mad, to stay upset with somebody that you love dearly. You want reconciliation. You want restoration. You want that to happen. And when we're in unity, when we're there, that's what we want. Unity. The third reason, this is a big one, especially as it pertains to spiritual warfare. We grow in maturity because of spiritual safety. Look at verse 14. Paul tells us that we need to grow in spiritual maturity to keep ourselves safe. Those not growing are tossed around and blown around, influenced by tricks and lies of the enemy. I, I got to thinking about this and what that might look like. Have you, ever, uh, have you ever just seen a balloon laying on the ground? It's just laying there, it doesn't move, but then there's a fan turned on or somebody walked past it and there's air that hits it and it just moves because there's nothing holding it down. There's nothing keeping it anchored. Spiritual maturity is an anchor for us. And we can see through when people are lying, when people are beginning to, 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 to put out some doctrines that don't make sense with what Scripture says. We can be protected, their spiritual safety, as we mature because we can see through those things and it makes it harder for the enemy to trick us. I told you in a couple of, a couple of weeks ago that I'd went through somebody gossiping about me. And that's a tough thing to walk through and you think, oh, they just said, it was a big deal to me, okay? And it was something I really, really struggled with, but God walked me through it. I matured through it. Okay, and something happened not long after that, and it didn't it didn't phase me. <laughs> right, something very similar happened not long after that, and it just didn't move me. Now you think, okay, why? Because there's safety and spiritual maturity. I had to come to the place where I understood my reputation was God's, and if He wanted to, whatever He wanted to do with it, He could do with it. My body is his. If he wants to send me to a cross, I'm going to to have to go to a cross. My mind is his. Whatever he needs of me, if my reputation requires that I be be put like Joseph in prison or, or like Joseph in all these other places that he should have never been, I'm going to have to be okay with that. Because we give ourselves in him to sacrifice. We give ourselves in service. We give ourselves in sincerity. And we give ourselves in shalom. And so as we grow spiritually, and, you, and most of you can attest this because you've grown spiritually in areas of your life, you can attest to this. There is safety in that. I don't fear what people can say about me as much as I did before. 
I'm not telling you that to be proud. I'm not telling you that to say, hey, look at me. I'm telling you that because there is truth in what the Word of God says. And if I'll build my life with the materials that God has given me, then when the winds come and the earthquakes begin to shake the foundations of my life and the storms begin to pound down, I can just sit back and know that God's got it. All right, I told you I was going to be quick. I lied. We've got two more questions. Why do we grow? Paul says, for hope, unity, and spiritual safety. Question number five, how? We're going to move quickly through this, so if you're taking notes, write fast. Question number five, how do we grow? There are four ways. Paul says we've got to live worthy. I even made you say that. Live worthy of your calling, he says. Psalms uh, 89, 27 says, Also I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. Every believer is God's firstborn and must carry themselves as such. This is, this is living a life marked by lowliness and gentleness, not, not pushing desire to defend our own rights or to advance our own agenda. This is living worthy of the calling. Jesus Christ, right, Lord of all, God of all the universe puts us in a position where we can live worthy. You got to start living worthy. You are better. Let me, let me just say this. You are better than the pettiness of gossip, slander, and the things that may have you wrapped up. You're the child of a king. Everything you say reflects that king. Everything you do reflects that king. Start living like it. Live worthy is what Paul says. These aren't my words. These are his. If you don't like it, you're going to take it up with him one day. Okay? These are his words. I've got a bone to pick with Paul about this one because sometimes this one's hard. But he calls us to live worthy. The second thing, the way that we do this, so we're asking how, the question is how, is to love wildly. We have to love no matter what. We have to bear with each other. Not to not do this is counterproductive to the kingdom of God and God's plans for the church. Paul says to be patient and make allowance. The King James Version says long-suffering. One commentator says that long-suffering is the spirit that has the power to take revenge, but doesn't. I want you to hear that again. Long-suffering means that you have the power to take revenge, but you don't. It's a holding back. This is how we mature. We love wildly in ways the world can't fathom because Jesus did. We love the people that hate us because we hated Jesus while he was hanging on the cross. Loving wildly, can you imagine what would happen if what people thought about how we loved each other, if what people thought about how we loved those who even hate us didn't matter to us anymore, if we quit living by the world's standards, we've talked about this, there are implications to the gospel. And one of those is that our ways, the ways that we live have to transcend the ways of the world. You've got to love wildly. Live worthy. You're a young person in this room. Don't wait. Don't wait until you're like, well, I can do this when I get a certain age. No, 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 no. The church needs you. The church needs you to live worthy of your calling. And you've got one. Care what anybody says. Jesus has called you. Love wildly. I don't care how bad somebody's hurt. And it's hard. I know it's hard. I know what I'm talking about is hard. I'm not expecting you to change today. Expecting us to mature slowly. Things grow over time. They gain nutrients from the earth, from the sun, water. They grow. Love wildly. Live worthy. He doesn't stop there, though. He keeps telling us how. He says, you got to learn willingly. Leaders in the church are a gift from Jesus that he established. Whose purpose is to grow the church, not numerically, but in spiritual maturity. To equip God's people to service 
so that the body of Christ will be built up. Jesus said he will build his church. And he's decided to use these offices that Paul lays out. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, preacher, teacher. Why do I bring that up? Why is this important? Why does Paul bring it up here? Because I believe there are more of you in the room who've been given those giftings that you're just setting on them. I believe God's called some of you to, to, to live and act and teach and prepare the church as apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, and teachers. I believe some of you are sitting in the room and you are a gift to the church. And God's been speaking to you about it. I'm gonna challenge you. If that's you today, God's already been talking to you about it and, he, and, and this hits you a little differently. You need to seek me out this week. We're gonna start talking about what that means. Maybe you don't even know which one you are. Maybe you don't even know where your gifting lies the most, but that just resonates with you. There are people who need to learn from you. There are people who need to hear you. You know, I've, I've heard countless sermons but there was a Sunday school teacher named Gene who could skateboard doing a handstand when I was a kid. He was so much fun. He brought donuts to every class. But can I tell you the number of things I learned from that man about how to live worthy and love wildly is unreal. I love my pastor. I love, I love the pastors I've had in my life. I can go back through my life and I can see that God strategically placed pastors in my life to bring me to the place that I am today. But Gene is a teacher. I had a prophet call something out of me one day and the gift of prophecy called something out of me that I didn't even know was there. An evangelist who challenged me. Apostle who sought me out planted things in my life. And it wasn't the pastor on the stage or the one with pastor beside his name. It was the collection of all of those people. Some of you sitting here today are a gift given to this church. It's time to let that gift loose. Because there are people who need to mature by learning willingly from you. Your heart's pounding out of your chest right now. I'm talking to you. We gotta live worthy. We gotta love wildly. We gotta learn willingly. Notice I didn't say follow blindly. I said learn willingly. The last how is we gotta look holy like Jesus. As the years pass and as we get older, we should not only grow old in Jesus, but be mature in him as well. As both individuals and as a corporate body. Gate smashers grow by living worthy, loving wildly, learning willingly and looking holy like Jesus. The last question. And we're wrapping up is how much? The cost of your spiritual maturity is everything. We know that because that's what Jesus gave. He gave it all. Jesus paid it all. It cost him everything, but he was willing to pay it for you and me. We got to grow. Paul says here that Jesus is the head of the church. He he prays that prayer. He talks about it in the next section. He talks about Jesus being the head of the church. And we know that Jesus is the pinnacle of maturity, right? He's what we're attaining to. He's what we're trying to be. He's the, he, at the end of the day, he's the who, what, when, where, how, why, and how much of spiritual maturity for us. These battles that we're gonna fight. He's the head of the body of Christ is what Paul says. 
when we choose not to grow, when we choose not to grow, we become Christian bobbleheads. Think about it. Is that, is that picture up? That picture of a bobblehead? We got the big head of Jesus, but we don't have the body to support what Jesus is trying to do. And what the world sees is this Jesus that's amazing, flopping around on a body like this, because we can't hold it up. Christian bobbleheads, because the body of Christ refuses to mature into what it's supposed to be. Jesus is the head, we're the body. We have a responsibility not to just give ourselves but to grow ourselves. Because the world needs us to be more than some bobbleheads. We can't be the hands and feet of Jesus if we can't hold Jesus up and uphold Jesus while we're walking. Uphold his ways, do what he's called us to do. If every time we try to step out, the head of Jesus has to hang because the body of Christ can't hold it up. This is the way he set it up, that we would mature. You're going to face battles because spiritual warfare is real. How do you face it? You grow, live worthy, love wildly, learn willingly, and look holy like Jesus. Bow our heads and close our eyes. Jesus, today we come before you recognizing that we will fall short every time. And Father, for some of us that we that spiritually walk around like a bobblehead, we haven't matured into the body that you've called us to be that can support what you're doing in the world. Father, the truth is you don't need us to support you. And that's not what I mean, but you have positioned us in such a way that we get to represent you to the world. We get to be you to this world. Father, so many times we walk around like bobbleheads. We walk around like (laughs) people who skip leg day in the gym. Not maturing in every area not able to uphold your ways, uphold what you've called us to, not able to give ourselves at the level that you've called us to give ourselves because we're not mature enough. So Lord, today it's my prayer that you would convict us, Holy Spirit, in this area. If If we need conviction in this area, Father, today speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Speak to us today. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Don't forget to visit us at LifeChurchROA on Instagram and Facebook for updates, service times, and ways to get involved. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to partner with you on your next steps. Visit LifeChurchROA.org slash Jesus to learn more. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon.